Welcome to the 1001 Travel Tales podcast, where seasoned travelers share their stories. Your hosts, Shoba George of Just Go Places and Rachel Heller of Rachel's Ruminations. Hello, today we're speaking with Deb Thompson, who writes at justshortofcrazy.com. Deb is here to tell us about her two road trips that she did following the Laura Ingalls Wilder's books and the Wilder family history. Hi, Deb. Hi, Shoba. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi. <laughs> We're fine. Yes, I am thrilled to be here. I am quite passionate about Laura Ingalls Wilder's. She was my childhood hero. I read her books numerous times. So did so I. I. So did I. Yeah. And so when I got older, I never knew this as a child, and I really didn't know this until I was, well, we won't mention any ages, but much longer than after a child, I realized that you could actually visit the places where she lived. At some point, I was like, oh my goodness, this is not fiction. This is real life. This really happened. Like, Laura, you know, really existed. And so when I found out I could visit her locations, I just... That was it. The planning started and a girlfriend who is just as passionate about Laura Ingle Wilder decided to join me and her and I spent two summers about 10 days each following the Laura Ingle Wilder's path, which was quite interesting and quite fun. And when you road trip in America, there's all kinds of weird things <laughs> to see along oh, that's the way. That's the fun part, isn't it? True. <laughs> that's the fun part. And, you know, the length they covered in a covered way, and this is what always amazes me, like Pa was probably the original travel writer. He just wasn't happy being in one spot. He was born in New York, and then he moved out to the Midwest, but he was always on the move. And so they lived in numerous places. There were six spots in the Midwest that they lived. And they were quite a ways apart. So when we'd done our road trips, each one was about 2,500 miles each. From our home, we visited three the first summer and three the next summer. And both of those trips, about 10 days each, about 2,500 miles each. The furthest west they went was South Dakota. Yeah. So where did they start on the, what was it, from where? So Pa was born in New York and then he moved west. And so the first book that takes place in the Laura Ingle Wilder series takes place in Pepin, Wisconsin, okay. which is near, oh gosh. Nothing. It's along the Mississippi <laughs> and it's in the north part of the state. Okay. So so I know that one of the books was called The Little House in the Prairie, but one of them was The House in the Woods. Yes. Which one was this? So in Pepin, it was Little House in the Big Woods. That was okay. the very first story. That's where Laura was a little girl. And they're living out far from any civilization. Besides Pa being quite the traveler, I think he was pretty much a loner. If there was 10 people within a 10-mile radius, he would say that there's too many people nearby. (laughs) He needs to move on. No wonder he left New York. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) So our first journey, we went from Burr Oak, Iowa, which there's no books written about Burr Oak. It's this tiny little old bar that they lived above. And there's a little tiny museum store there. And not much was written about it because it was a really rough time for the family. They had hit some really hard times and they had lost a child. And so Laura never wrote about Burr Oak, but you can still go there and visit and see where they live for a short time. And from Burr Oak, we made our way towards Walnut Grove. And one of our favorite things about heading towards Walnut Grove is we had to stay overnight somewhere. And so we found this Earth Inn in Jackson, Minnesota, 
So we all know from the Laura Inga Wilder books that they often lived in like a sod house and lots of people of that time lived in sod houses. So the Earth Inn in Jackson is the closest you'll get to actually experiencing a sod house and staying overnight in it. It's kind of built into the side of a hill. The roof is all grass. It was awesome. That's really cool. Awesome. It's, so it's got the modern amenities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does There's it, electricity does... and flush toilets where this girl wouldn't stay. <laughs> visited one that was sort of a museum, and I can't remember, to be honest, where it was. It was a long time ago. I think it might have been South Dakota. Yes, that it was is. was a, a sod house, but it was just a sod house to see how these people who yes. settled there lived. So it didn't have any modern conveniences. You could right. actually see the old wallpaper sort of peeling yes. off the walls. That's exactly um, where I took my kids to as well. You've been yeah. to that one. I, I forget yeah, what it's called. Yeah. But the yeah. point is, it was dark yes in there yes. it was dug into the side of a hill and it's roofed with these sort of bricks cut out of yeah. the, earth the earth with a layer of grass on it you know just right. cut out of the ground and i'm sure it was insulating and cooling in the heat of summer and all that sort of thing but it was dark was dark, this hotel so dark, dark yeah. is that was a long way no, to ask a short um, question oh they had it well lit inside so our windows we did have one wall they had windows that looked out cap onto the parking lot kind of set down into the ground so kind of like a uh, sub basement you know like that goes half into the ground half above so we were kind of like that but it was so well lit that it didn't matter and we just thought it was awesome so we didn't care it could have been dark we're like we're living in a sod house yes. this is awesome <laughs> and, and you know what there aren't that many options to do that anymore so this is kind of cool no no, no it was not. really cool it was really cool I know that place you're speaking of about where you could see the sod houses and there were signs and we followed them. When we road trip, we get distracted easily, which is probably why we go 2,500 miles in 10 days because we're like, <laughs> oh, look, days. a sign. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that looks cool. Let's follow it. <laughs> yeah, let's follow the trail. And then you're going down these dirt roads and you're looking around and you're like, do we know where we're at? <laughs> but thankfully with modern technology, you just pull up a map on your phone as long as you have, yeah. you know, signal. But we did visit those sad homes. That was really cool. But pretty much the honor system there. You just put some money in the box and go visit the homes. Right, <laughs> so, right. I love the Midwest. <laughs> so honor system. <laughs> that sounds different from the one I went to because the one I went to had a gift shop and a person. Okay. And I'm trying You might have been at the one in Desmet, the actual it's called Angle. A it's called the Prairie Homestead Museum. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have one there, too. Okay, a so lot there's of, more than uh, one of these if people are, want to check them out. Okay, that's good to yeah. know. Yeah, I'll swing around to that. From Burr Oak and the Earth Inn that we loved, we made our way to Walnut Grove, which is where On the Banks of Plum Creek was written. Okay. I think the coolest thing about visiting Walnut Grove is that... Well, one, there's a place called Nellie's Cafe, so you can go, for people familiar with the TV show. So Nellie was to, real? Nellie was a combination of multiple people, Okay, so is I my see. understanding. This is her frenemy. So, yes, this is her frenemy. Yes, okay. absolutely. And they have this large museum there. You can wander all through and see all kinds of stuff. But the best part is you can actually go to Plum Creek, and it's on private property, and you just pay like two bucks to the honor box. And drive back, and you can see the actual dugout home where Laura Ingalls and her family used to live. Oh, that's cool. It's still and there. It's still there. It's still there. The actual dugout part is not, but you can see the hill, and you can play uh -huh. in the creek that Laura and her sister played in. And it was a I mean, highlight of that trip. 
this is a dress up opportunity. <laughs> put on my put on best, a bonnet. Put on a bonnet and have a picnic. And, you know, the children will be looking at me like, "What are you doing? I don't care." We, and, we, and we may roll have, down a hill. I want them to roll down a hill. <laughs> yeah, we may have put on bonnets and had a picnic. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> We are, yeah. It, so, it happens. So now the TV show portrayed them as living in a wooden house that the father built. Yes, yeah. But they actually were in a dugout, not in a wooden house they, in Walnut they were Grove. In, a, in Walnut Grove, they were in a dugout for a short period. And they ended up leaving because the waters rose, right? And it was right on a, a creek. And in the TV show, they show them in Walnut Grove. But quite honestly, Wilder spent the majority of their life in DeSmet, South Dakota. And that is where five of the books take place. So the longest winter. That's the prairie. Yes, that's the prairie. So that one has, in town, there's some schoolhouses and a museum all related to Laura Ingewilder and her family. There's the house that Pa built for Ma in DeSmet that you can tour and go into and see where they live the rest of their days at. But you can also go out to the homestead, which is about a mile outside of town. And visit the area where they actually lived for many, many years. And there is a replica of the wooden, like very tiny, teeny house that they built and lived in for a long time. There's also a replica of a sod house out there, a big museum. And one of the best parts of, well, there's many best parts of the prairie home, but you can sleep in a covered wagon at the prairie. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So you can overnight at the prairie in a covered wagon. So we've done that. We spent a night there. And as luck would have it, a storm blew in and there was thunder and lightning and it was carrying on and we're kind of looking at each other like we're just in this covered wagon. <laughs> you know, like, it's like a true experience of how it was a it been. true experience. And another thing we found really interesting is that the wind always howls across the prairie. It doesn't stop. There was no, there was no break. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, wow, we know now why there was like this prairie madness because there was never a stop. Right the noise but i'll tell you what being out there before the storm blew and we could see so many stars it was gorgeous but out there you can also drive a covered wagon so not only can you sleep in one you can drive one with the horses they look like they would be tremendously uncomfortable i mean not just to sleep in but to ride in and yeah they were were brave people they were going out far away from anybody they knew. And it's not like if they ran out of supplies, they could just hop around to the corner store or anything. They were completely and utterly on their own. I mean, they might be traveling in a wagon train with a bunch of other people that went with them, but as a group, they were on their own. I know. Right. Amazing. When I saw one of these uh, covered wagons in Pennsylvania, uh, they're narrow. They really Mm -hmm. aren't that big. And then you would, they're not, they're not, you would fit yourself, your family, your belongings, et cetera. It's hot, uncomfortable, and probably claustrophobic. I would think so. I don't think they generally rode in them very much, except maybe the oldest and the youngest. You know what I mean? I think that they did a lot of walking. With the wagons were more for transporting all their stuff, you know, their tools and their supplies and whatever. And then they just sleep in it at night. That's the understanding I had was that a lot of it was walking. That's how I understood it as well. There was a lot of walking. Hundreds and hundreds of miles of walking. Crazy. Was I mean, crazy. What do you do if your shoes wear out? You know, there's right? not like there's a shoemaker who you can go buy more <laughs> shoes from. Well, he just shot an animal and uh, I don't know, did something with his leather. Right? <laughs> I, I suppose so. Yeah. DIY Amazing. shoes. <laughs> DIY, the original. Well, they were it very just, resourceful, right? Because I they didn't have so. a choice. <laughs> it's not like today. And they didn't have much to cart or pack up and yeah. travel with because they didn't have 
many belongings, quite honestly, yeah, they back in that time. A few items of clothing and that would probably be about it. Yeah. A couple blankets and I've always thought that it was the a serious case of wanderlust, like in yeah. Pa's case, or perhaps that your options are so limited in the East that would make you want to endure this sort of journey. Right. And endure the weather out. And, and then the unknowns, at. because, you know, it wasn't exactly friendly territory. Right. There were no, people out not. to rob you or kill you or do whatever. Yeah, it's, it was crazy. And was, bringing children with him doing it. When you think about it from our modern point of view, pretty damn irresponsible of him. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they would be tearing them up in today's day and age, right? Yeah. <laughs> They'd be yeah. all Those over Facebook. Those wagons did not have seatbelts <laughs> or car seats. There was no car seat. <laughs> How dare you make your child walk? <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> it was definitely enlightening to see how people actually lived. I think until you're like really in it, in it and see how little they had. And then you think, boy, I got my comfy bed and all my blankets back at home. And, you know, I could heat heat and water, like running water, like just turn on the faucet. No going Um, out to an outhouse in the middle of the night when it's cold out. And there could be animals. I'd have been done right then. There's a reason I was born when I was born. (laughs) (laughs) There ain't no way. (laughs) Now, you were talking Uh about you took these two trips. Yeah. You said four things on each trip so that he moved eight times? There was three things on each trip, but they did move more than to those. So they would, I'm trying to remember which one. I think it was Walnut Grove that they moved away from and then moved back to. So I think how it went is they were like Pepin, Walnut Grove, Fir Oak back to Walnut Grove to Smet. And then Laura moved on. Oh, and they had a little trip down to Independence, Kansas in there as well. From South Dakota? That's a long way back. Right? That's a long way to go from, yeah. We drove in a car and it took forever. (laughs) We were like, and the whole way we're like, wow, they were in a wagon this whole entire time. This is ridiculous. That was the second trip we went to. We started in Pepin, Wisconsin, which was where that first book took place. And then we made the drive from Pepin down to Independence, Kansas. It's forever. It took, well, we took longer, of course, because there's things to see along the way. But it took a really long time. (laughs) Distractions. Distractions. And then when we got to Independence, there wasn't really any signs pointing us to Laura Ingalls' place. And we were like, missed opportunity, Independence, Kansas. You should have signs all over directing us to get to Laura's place. After a few wrong turns, we finally found our way to her place there. It's small, but it was kind of cool to look at and see. That was, I'm trying to think, that is where Little House on the Prairie took place. So that was where that book happened. I see. Okay. And again, kind of that honor system thing. There was somebody there when we were there, but otherwise you just put your money in the little bucket and Love go that. under the property, you know? <laughs> it was crazy. So there was a house there and some other buildings there. And that one had a church you could either walk or drive to. It was quite a ways down, but you could see it across the prairie. So that was kind of cool. Did you walk or drive? We drove. That's what I thought. That would be my option. (laughs) You have to take the horse and buggy is what you have to do. Totally driving anywhere I can. (laughs) So that was cool. A long drive between the two, which still to this day boggles me that they done it in horse and buggy and bad roads, right? We complain about our roads. They had like ruts to be in to get from A to B, which is amazing to think about. And then our last stop on that second trip was in Mansfield, Missouri. Now that is where Laura wrote all her books. 
So that um, was her married home? That was her married home. Yeah. She was married to Alfonso and they had Rose, their daughter Rose, that lived there. And so Mansfield, Missouri has spent a couple million dollars building a new museum there in Mansfield dedicated to Laura Inga Wilder. So you go to the museum, you can watch a movie, you can see all these trinkets from their life, and then you can go to her house and tour the house. And I'll tell you, the most significant part of that visit was seeing the actual desk that she wrote all her stories from. And I looked at my friend and I was like, we are not allowed to cry. We are not allowed to cry. (laughs) It was just, (laughs) it was really a really special experience. She was pretty old when she wrote these books, though. She was much older than life. Yeah, she was. She was. Gosh, Rose was an adult when she started writing them. So she was probably in her 50s, 60s. And she was recalling all her childhood memories. In some ways, the books are probably a little skewed, right? From history. Sort of romanticized. Plus, her memories are from the point of view of a child. Exactly. Everything is fun. And it would have been mom and pa or ma and pa thinking, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do to eat? And the kids are like, "Ah, let's have a picnic. (laughs) (laughs) Let's roll down the hill. (laughs) (laughs) But she doesn't. In The Longest Winter, she really talks about how rough life was. And that happened in Desmats, where there was no food, no fuel for heat, and the things they had to do to survive. That was my favorite book at the time, even though it was pretty... It's pretty sad, right? It was, like, it was sad. <laughs> well, as a child, you're just thinking, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Right. right. I know. Well, they, I really well, well, I encourage everybody okay. to read the book. Of course, now that you're older, they were going to kill off a kid in the middle of a book, were they? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. No. This, I guess it <laughs> Don't was, give away the ending. <laughs> to any children listening to this, she may or not. <laughs> okay. So I have another question. You know, you've taken these two sort of epic trips just around that series of books. Right. What are you going to do next? I know, right? That's the big question. Well, so now Sarah and I have decided that every year needs to have a literary trip. Oh, like, there's just, oh. So it'll happen. We'll have an annual trip now that's literary. For my site, I'm actually doing a year of literary travel on the site. So this year will all be dedicated to literary travel around the United States. But I think next year we're doing Anna Green Gables. Oh, in Canada. Oh, up in yeah, uh, Prince Edward Island, isn't yes. it? It's supposed to be beautiful up there. I haven't been oh, yet. We haven't been either. And Anna Green Gables is another favorite book of Sarah's. I have to admit, I'm not as familiar with those books, but I have a year to get ready. Yeah, start reading. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to suggest going to Britain. I went a couple of years ago to the Bronte, where the Bronte sisters grew up. Nice. And then yeah. you can, it's just the most beautiful little town. And you can also walk up in the moors because, you know, parts of it are not farmed. I mean, the valleys are all farmed, but there's places that haven't really been farmed and they're much more like the moors would have been in their day in the Bronte. You could just stand up there with the wind blowing in your long skirt, you know? It needs to happen. But you know what? It really needs to happen. You know, if you and your friend like dressing up, there is a Jane Austen festival every September. By the oh, way, the town was Hayworth. I just remembered. Hayworth. Okay. Hayworth. Sorry. So I go did on. the Jane Austen Festival in September in Bath where, you know, everybody dresses up and does the Jane Austen thing. I'm going to take my daughter because we uh, just, yeah. like, be Great fun. fun. I know. Exactly. Hey, get to wear a bonnet and sip tea no. and check out. Right? Look, look for Mr. Darcy's. Right? <laughs> I totally need to take my daughter to that. She would love that. She loves Jane Austen. Oh, so oh my mine. goodness. Oh, man. There's so many great places, right? You just find a favorite book or favorite novel, yeah. your writer, whatever, and you can kind of walk in their footsteps a little bit. It's yeah. a special way to do 
a trip when mm-hmm. you build it around a theme rather than just a place. I right. mean, if you'd just done a trip around Wisconsin and South Dakota and, yeah. and Minnesota, it would have just been a trip around Wisconsin, right. South Dakota and Minnesota. Right. It would have, this gave it a sort of special twist. Yeah. And we told everybody as we traveled what we were doing. <laughs> so we were a- like... And it's a thing, really. Are there other people um, doing people it? People weren't surprised. There's, yes, there are groups and there are people that make this journey all the time to visit, do the Laura Ingle Wilder mm-hmm. circle. If you want to do it all at once, you probably need two solid weeks. I had a, somebody contact me from England that wanted to bring her daughter over and asked if like four days was enough. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Oh, no, no way. Not even <laughs> so, the drive-in would, be would just be too big. So if you're flying in, it's probably best to fly into Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can fly into Chicago, Illinois, and start your journeys there. But really, but two weeks would be the way to do it properly, really two especially weeks. if you're going to want to stop at other things, too. Right. What and you're going to have to have a car. Yes. Yeah, of course. What were some of the other cool things you saw on the way in between the world? Oh, let's places? see. Tell us about some of these crazy side roads. Right. So there's always the roadside attractions that we would find, like the largest teacup or the largest coffee pot. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody just built a giant teacup and left it there? Yeah. Like there's just this giant sign up uh, saying, come see it. Yeah. Come see the world's largest teacup. And of course, I have a bent towards the haunted thing. So I was always making Sarah stop at things that were known to be haunted. And even if they weren't open, we'd have to stop so I could wander around the outside. She's not a big fan of that, but she, you know, she went along with it because she's that kind of friend. And she's a big fan of Frank Lloyd Wright. And there's lots of Frank Lloyd Wright buildings in that region. We stayed at Frank Lloyd Wright Hotel in Mason City, Iowa, which was amazing. And went to some buildings that he had built. There's the S.E. Johnson and Wax Company in Wisconsin that their corporate headquarters is all Frank Lloyd Wright built. Okay. And you can take a tour. Well, we looked online and there weren't any tours available. We were sad. Sarah was more sad than I was, but we were sad. And I was like, you know what? Let's just stop. Let's just stop and see. And so we walked in and we're like, is there any chance, any chance at all that there's room for two people on a tour? Like, we'll wait. And she's like, funny enough, two people just canceled and you can have their spot. That was our second trip. And that set the tone for our entire trip. Like all these amazing things started happening to us. And I can't remember them all, but like tickets would become available when there weren't any. And we would find really cool stuff. And we went to the Kansas City Central Library, which is an amazing library. Oh, that's the one it's, with the books on the outside. The books right? finds on the, the parking garage. Yeah. yeah. It's so incredible. And you go inside and it's this old bank that they've converted to a library. And it's, oh, you have to see it just to believe it. I always have to check out the children's section. Big fan of children's literature. So I'm like, let's go check it out. And we started talking to the librarian there and we told her what we were doing. And she's like, I have something for you. I've been holding it for the right people and you're it. She's like, give me just a minute. And so she went to her office or whatever. And she came back out and she had this photo book of all these old pictures from Laura Ingle Wilder's homesteads that somebody ages ago had put together. So it's like this little scrapbook history of Laura Ingle Wilder. And she's like, the library was pitching a bunch of stuff and they wanted to throw that book out, but she kept it because she said she knew someday she would meet someone that that book was meant for. And she's like, this book is meant for you. Have very fortuitous. Right. 
And so, so Sarah and I, we looked at each other and we were like, we're going to die on this trip. We're, we're dead. We are living out our last days because too many good things have been happening to us. <laughs> Whether there's going to be a car accident, so we are going down. <laughs> so, at least you go down happy. Yay. <laughs> that's what we said. I'm like, this has been a great week. So at least we die, you know, after a fabulous adventure. But oh, when too many good things happen, I start to question. I'm like, uh, nope. But hey, you're alive and well and all ended happily. Yeah, we survived. I'm still and, here. And you so. are thinking about writing a book about this eventually, right? Yeah, in the eventually. Works. In this fall, I hope to sit down and really put together the adventures we had and kind of highlight the places that people should stop and see along the way to make it a really solid literature and Americana type trip. You got to so see the be, roadside adventures. Be sort of a cross between a guidebook and a memoir. Kind of, yes, it will. Fine. And Sarah, will, I'm sure, will help me write it. She is much better with names of stuff, so I'll need her to <laughs> chip the in internet is for. tell me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, and try to break it down so people really can do it in two weeks and tell them how to make that happen. Well, well that sounds you. fabulous. I am yeah. I'm looking forward to Yeah, I look forward to that book. It'll be fun. So, yeah, that was kind of how it went. And always happy to answer questions if people have any. Yeah, they can email you directly if they want. Yeah. Um, your writing at justshortofcrazy.com. And what I is your email? name, by the way. I know, just it's short great. of crazy. Just short. Yeah, <laughs> just short. Or as my kids say, just crazy. Take the short of out. They're like, stop lying to people. And your email Whatever. is, what is your email, Deb? My email then is Deb, D-E-B, at justshortofcrazy.com. And then you're and also can, on the usual social media suspects, right? All the social media. Twitter's probably best. It's at Deb Thompson. And it's T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N for Thompson. So don't forget the P. Well, thank so, you very much for speaking so to us. check out Deb's blog. And Deb, thank you so much for telling us your story. Thanks for having this me. Great trip, great. literary yeah, trip. I'd love to do this. Uh, yeah. Thanks thank so you. much, ladies. Have Take a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to 1001 Travel Tales, stories from seasoned travelers. Shoba George's blog, Just Go Places, is at justgoplacesblog.com. Rachel Heller writes Rachel's Ruminations, which can be found at rachelheller.org.